The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Now, the impact of sports documentary series has become apparent in the last five years with uh, the Formula One documentary series Drive to Survive, perhaps an unlikely hit for Netflix. Let's have a listen. These guys have an almost fighter pilot mentality and that's what separates them from mere mortals. All I ever do is pray for a safe race. I never thought that I'd be there one day watching my son. For me, it's heart attack after heart attack. Are you okay, Nico? Get me out this fire. This fire. Well, that was a really thrilling series, the first series of Drive to Survive on Netflix, but it's not just Formula One that's been infiltrated. Uh, tennis also in Matchpoint. The hardest thing in sports is expectation. We've been blessed with an era of greatness. Roger, Rafa, Serena, Novak. Who will take their place? And then the world of golf in full swing. There is a power struggle going on in golf. You've got this existential threat to the game of golf in the Saudi-backed league called Live Golf. They're throwing astronomical money at people and everything's got a price, I guess. The PGA Tour is the best place to play golf, but the game needs to be pushed forward. Well, to talk about the impact, the commercial effect and the template that Netflix have adopted in accelerating all of this sports coverage, I'm joined now by CEO of Sport for Business, Rob Hartnett. Rob, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Now, moments in time, uh, Formula One, the rivalry between Lewis Hamilton and Verstappen was probably key. It was, and we've always known that sport was capable of producing the most dramatic storylines, but it always happened on the track. And we never really got inside the helmet or we never got inside the characters that populate the sport. Who could have imagined that we would be as familiar with the team principal of Team Haas, Gunther Steiner, and yeah. his occasional F-bomb five years ago? But now we are. And what Netflix have done and their production team, and we, we caught a glimpse of it just listening to those clips there, they've really brought the art of storytelling to a sport which is capable of generating yeah. great stories, but they've gone deeper. Formula One drivers always appeared in the past to be automatons. I mean, we got behind the personalities of some of the biggest names, you know, the, the Michael Schumachers and so on. Uh, and locally, we got to know Eddie Irvine because he was uh, obviously from Ireland and so on and so forth. Eddie Jordan, the same. Um, but uh, we got to know even the minor drivers, the fellows who were lucky to have a, a seat. Yeah, very much so. I think one of the things that they've done is they've actually redefined what winning is, particularly yeah. for an American audience. So Verstappen and uh, Hamilton, they would have carved up championships between them. Last year, there was only five drivers, won individual races. But of the 20 drivers on the grid, we know them all now and we know yeah. their personalities, we know their characters and they've become superstars in a way that they could never have dreamt of just from sitting in the, in the cockpit of their car. Now, they're superstars in our minds, but uh, if they don't win, they don't necessarily keep the seat number one and they don't necessarily get a sponsor. So it's a double-edged sword. It's a big part of the drama. The the switch of Fernando Alonso, the story of Oscar Piastri at the start of this season in Series 5 were two of the key storylines in there. And what it does is that it, it just it elevates the teams that would normally be battling for a mid-table position uh, into, into people that you can really root for. And that has had a hugely dramatic impact on the sport. Now, many people play 
tennis in this country, but it's fair to say it would still be, a, relatively speaking, a minority sport. Watching the tennis the, as Netflix produced it was uh, wonderful because although I play tennis, I know the scoring and so on, you could watch it without knowing how the game works at all. You could indeed, and part of that breakpoint, and the same with Full Swing, and indeed the same with Drive to Survive, is is the fact that we actually, if you if you counted up the minutes that we're actually watching the sport as part of these documentaries, it would probably come to less than 10% of the actual programming. Whereas when we're watching live sport, that's all we're watching. So this has really brought us behind. It's brought us behind Nick Kyrgios. Great way to start off the breakpoint series. That was series. fabulous, yeah. <laughs> it really was. And, and just getting, trying to get inside the mind, well, I'm not sure that we ever would get inside his mind, but trying to just see the way that he sees the world was it was incredible from a storytelling point of view and it undoubtedly helped people to actually come to the sport whether to play to watch to buy the merch to but buy the, the narrative there and it's not really a spoiler because it's all in the annals of tennis um, Nick is going for his home open win and as a singles player he fails and then he doubles up with his doubles partner they have great crack and they go on and win the bloody thing. Well, it's pure Hollywood. We saw it even this weekend with the boys that taken over Wrexham. 96th minute penalty save. Sport does that, yeah. but it needs the right person behind the camera pointing it at it, telling the story in a way that makes it much more accessible to people that would not necessarily be as technically aware. Now, in full swing with golf, again, you have a drama that is separate entirely to the actual on-course drama, and that is Live Golf. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't have picked a better year to do it. Um, it was, it was very much in the in the eyes of golf fans, but it was also breaking through. It was breaking through onto programs like yours. You were talking about golf probably more in the course of the last twelve yeah. months than you've ever done in the past. And what they did was they landed at the right time. There was also the drama as to whether Rory McIlroy, who was obviously in our minds, he's the su- the global superstar, but there was a, a doubt over whether he was going to actually take part. And we didn't know almost right up until the end that he. Actually actually was going to play a fairly key role in the actual programming. Yeah, and he was very outspoken on Live Golf. Uh, I mean, he um, took on some heavy hitters uh, in, in criticising Live Golf. Now, the template that Netflix uses, we await the Six Nations uh, series, which because we already know many of the, the characters. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they come across given the Netflix treatment. But the, the template they use, uh, it's a series and it's It's limited in time and every episode tends to have a different focus. It is. And, you know, it's in a sense, it's following the whole sporting routine. Like every GEA game lasts for 70 minutes. Every rugby match lasts for 80 minutes. Every football match lasts for 90 minutes. That sense of a beginning, a middle and an end is really important. And they've captured that. The The beauty as well is, is that they've retained editorial control completely. So we might know exactly the story as it unfolded in this year's Six Nations and it finished gloriously for Ireland. But we don't know how the Netflix camera is going to have viewed that and how it's going to look slightly different mm. On the edit suite so there could well. be moaning and whining about uh, England having a player sent off and how that really they should have won that match da 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 Ireland should never have been Grand Slam champions da 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 you, you started this chat by talking about the moments in time and we don't know what the moments in time that Netflix will deem to be the most important until we actually see them on screen now one of the extraordinary things from uh, the tennis series particularly was um, the nomadic lifestyle of the players. 
Uh, I mean, you know, suitcases strewn all over the hotel room, uh, trying to, you know, if you're not one of the top players, maybe doing your own laundry and drying it in the bath. And very individual as well. Like in Formula One, and I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same in the in the Six Nations as well, you've got that team ethic around you. So the drivers, literally, they know where their scooter is going to be yeah. when they get out of the car. They know that everything is going to be planned to perfection. But in tennis, much more individual. They're travelling with maybe one or two coaches, even at the top level. But they are with seeing inside the hotel rooms we're looking at in a sense the mundanity of performing at the very highest level of sport everything beyond that two hours that you're on court Uh, one of the things that is etched on my mind after watching uh, the the breakpoint series was Rafa Nadal warming up before a match right you know waiting to go on and utterly intimidating for his opponent dancing up and down and strutting his stuff and I don't think it is a deliberate intimidation it's just what he does because he's full of nervous tics yeah, it would have been lovely to have actually seen a psychologist's perspective on that, the sort of the pulling and the dragging and the hair and the band and everything else that he, that he does, which we're so familiar with. But, you know, that's that's what this kind of storytelling does. And we've seen it in Ireland as well. Yeah. Like we had we had the Blues Sisters documentary on following the Dublin ladies football team back in 2017. That gave rise to a huge surge in interest there. And even in a cultural perspective, when Donal O'Cusack produced a, a documentary on coming out of the curve back in 2015, it aired only four months before the marriage referendum and the you know the yeah. fact of him coming out as a gay man in sport was was, was perhaps hugely in important in terms of that cultural sense of translating what happens on the pitch to what happens in the real world. Now, let's talk about the fan impact and whether it boosted audiences for any of these sports. Let me throw some numbers at you. In the United States, which is the key market for sport on a global basis, Formula One prior to Drive to Survive had one race took place in Austin, the uh, the course, the track of the Americas. And the year before Drive to Survive, they had 240,000 people there. Good numbers, but it was one race in the, in the country. Now, after Drive to Survive, they moved up in year two. They had 400,000 people in Austin. They built a new track in Miami around the Hard Rock Stadium there. Again, 400,000 people. And this year, they're already building a track in Las Vegas. The audience, the, the, the average age of a Formula One fan has been reduced from 36 years of age to 32 years of age, which is only four years. But in demographic terms, that is a huge shift. And the other thing is, well, you know, could that have been Drive to Survive? Could it have been just the excitement of the sport? 74% of those under the age of 35 race Drive to Survive as being a key factor in why they are now interested in Formula One. That's incredible. Okay, so that's discernible with uh, tennis, probably less so because most of the key matches, whether it's Roland Garros or Wimbledon, they're sold out anyway. So you can't get a bigger live audience. I think so. Yeah, I think you you probably look at at, at, at those sports where there is a greater level of participation. There's being going to be less of a of, of an upswing in it. I mean, Formula One. There's only twenty people in a year mm-hmm. that will actually be driving Formula One cars. That's never going to be you or I. But it, it, but in the other sports, it can still just create that longer term engagement because sport is competitive. Mm-hmm. If 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 rugby is on top, if football is on top, if Gaelic games are on top, they're all trying to sort of nudge ahead of each other, and this does it for them. That's all about money. So, uh, what difference has exposure of these sports in the Netflix template, uh, what difference has it made to resources, the money piling in and sponsorship? 
you could probably put as many zeros on the end of any number as you could the audience figures that they're attracting for this. It has been instrumental in turning, you know, turnover in the, in the sport from, you know, it, it is it is pretty much doubled. So the, the sponsorship revenue that teams are actually able to bring in without having to do anything additional other than just make sure that the car is pointing in the right eye- direction. eyeballs on the sport means the sponsors are charged accordingly. Increased engagement, increased merchandise, all of which has got the sponsor's logo on it. Everything that was there in place as part of the sponsor's contract is there now, but it's at a multiple of four or five. Like Drive to Survive was a top 10 show in 56 countries around the world. This is a global phenomenon. Mm. Now, it's interesting that it's big at the moment, uh, Formula One. Uh, sometimes, though, it can be what, like watching paint dry. You know, if there are no overtaking opportunities, it can be tedious. And when you've got someone like Verstappen, who seems to be fairly dominant, we're looking to minor characters. And uh, Alonso is not really a minor character. I mean, he's a, a fabulous rater, but, but he's a minor character because he's old. <laughs> by Formula One standards, you know, and therefore, if he does something, it's fantastic. It is, yeah. There is perhaps a whiff of ageism about that, isn't he? Yeah. Doing great, you know, for an old fella. But the, you but, know, the, but your reaction times would uh, probably fade a bit with uh, age. I saw one interesting statistic in that you know eighty percent of a driver's mindset is on the drive and twenty percent on the strategy of the drive. In Alonso, that's almost flipped. That his mind, the way that it works, is that he's always thinking three laps ahead so he's obviously pretty good at just doing things by instinct um, hopefully that will continue as well All right. so he's the one playing chess the others are playing checkers That's yeah the... pretty much now uh, overexposure and it's something that uh, I, I noticed over the years we all used to watch snooker a lot on television and it was very exciting then we got too much of it we all used to watch show jumping a lot on television we got too much of it I suspect we're doing that with soccer at the moment with uh, football because Every night of the week, there's a match on and where it used to be when your team was playing must watch. It's no longer quite that. And we can just go on to YouTube and see the goals the next morning. Very true. And it could get to a point. The Premier League are already talking in England now about the possibility of them becoming broadcasters in the same way as the GAA and RTE have produced GAA Go, potentially the Premier League going down that route as well. So it all becomes on demand. We talk about overexposure, but we're looking at it through a very simple lens of Ireland and the UK. The number of people that are watching a Premier League football match now compared to what it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago, again, is a multiple of thousands because it's being broadcast all around the world. Maybe taking place in West London or okay, in so South Manchester. Even but. if the domestic audience was to wane a bit, uh, as far as the Premier League is concerned, they're thinking, well, we're selling this to 50 ter- territories. It all comes down to the money, is what you said in the beginning. And the money of an Indonesian football fan is just as valuable as the money of an Irish or an English football fan. My goodness, it's an education talking to you, Rob. Thank you very much for joining us. Rob Hartnett, who's CEO of Sport for Business. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9am on News Talk.